Welcome to Ignite Your Confidence for women in leadership who want to speak up and stand out. I'm your host, Karen Laus. Here you'll get all of the tips and tools that you need to stand out with unshakable confidence. Let's jump in to today's episode. Okay. Hello, everybody. And this is going to be a great one. I love Mindy's life in addition to her profession. So I'm going to turn it over to you directly, Mindy, to tell us who you are. So excited to be here, Karen. So my name is Mindy Rosser. I do live on the North Shore of Oahu. So for those of you watching, you can see my background. For those of you listening, it's very Hawaiian looking, mango trees, chickens, and such. And I'm really excited to be here to talk about confidence. But what my specialty is, like what I do during the day, I specialize in LinkedIn. So I work a lot with people on social selling, developing their marketing programs, filling up their pipeline using LinkedIn, all without automation, spam, ickiness. It's all about building genuine professional relationships. So that's really where my heartbeat is. I do a lot of coaching and programs and trainings, all related to LinkedIn, building your profile and really learning how to use the platform well. So we can all get to know each other. I, th I believe that good people do good business with other good people and really elevating the game on LinkedIn is my thing. That's amazing. So I want to jump in with an immediate question because I've been dying to ask you this. What do you do when you have all these people pitching you in instant messenger where they, you know, the, the steps are, they connect with you and then they say, so glad to meet you. And then there's like five paragraphs about all the things that they do for you. I'm wondering how, what do you recommend with that? Ugh. Yeah. I call it the pitch slap. It's like, they're pitching you. It's like they get connected. They're like, Ooh. Pitch. You want to pitch. Nobody <laughs> wants a pitch on LinkedIn. Nobody. doesn't matter. Even if you're desperate for the service that they offer, you still don't want to be pitched. It's really about a relationship. It's almost like asking someone to marry you on the first date. That's how I <laughs> yeah. see it on LinkedIn. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, no. I just want to get to know you first. This would be great. So when that happens to me, what I tend to do is usually... <sighs> If it's somebody who literally just connected with me and I don't see much of a mutual benefit, sometimes I will say something and try to pull them out of it. Like if I feel like they just need a little bit of education, like maybe they have a virtual assistant or somebody told them this was a good idea. Sometimes I'll say something. Most of the time I don't. Uh, but if I feel like yeah, maybe they would use a little tip, especially if I know them in real life and all of a sudden they start sending me these messages, I might say something to them because I'm like, please don't damage your personal brand. <laughs> you know, this is really, really harmful to you and how people perceive you. But if yeah. it's somebody that I don't know at all, I will usually archive the message because I don't want to see it. Uh, a lot of times I will remove the connection. Like if they pitch me too many times, if it's just once, then I will archive it. If they keep pitching me, like you can tell it's a sequence of messages that they're sending like once a week, then I will actually remove the connection if I don't feel like it's worth my time. Sometimes I'll just say no thanks and that will stop them. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't and they just keep going and I'm like, ah, okay, remove connection or archive. Silence, mute, <laughs> conversation. Okay, that's good to know because I feel like I'm this person that always wants to acknowledge everyone and make sure everybody feels seen and heard. And so even if it's a bot or I don't even know what, I feel like I need to say something back. And of course, my my own issue is trying to educate the world, like meaning, you know, hey, by the way, and I realize, you know, not everybody wants feedback, nor do they care. And I do love just the simple no thanks is a nice way to acknowledge and then hopefully have them move on. So thank you for that advice. So let's talk about you personally, because I would love to know how you got into what you're doing. Yeah. So how I got into what I was doing, uh, 
about 10 years ago, a little before that, right around there, uh, I was actually in the agency world. So I was working inside of a social media marketing agency, one of the biggies, and it was a lot of fun. Like I was enjoying it and I really liked the social media aspect. I was, you know, very green at the time. They took a chance on me and I started kind of working my way into like the organization and I realized I really wanted to work at a startup. I really wanted to go a little bit more all in with like the content marketing and how content and social played together. So at that time, I said, you know what? I really want to work at a startup in San Francisco. Don't ask me why that was the thing I wanted to do at the time, but it sounded exciting as a 25-year-old, you know, like, yeah, it's yes. a great idea. Uh, so what I started doing, I was like, okay, well, how do I get a job there? So I actually put together a resume. I put together my LinkedIn profile and I decided that was before the days of LinkedIn being used, how it is today, it was much more of a job seeker site. At the time, there were some savvy business people using it, but not so many. So I decided I would actually, every single morning, I would get up at 4.30 in the morning before my day job, and I would personalize a resume, I would tweak my LinkedIn profile, and I would actually send to a job a day. So I had a 30-day job a day challenge. And by the oh end of those 30 days- Oh my gosh. By the end of those 30 days, I was looking to have a job. So I'm like, okay, I'm dead set on this. So I was very hardcore. When I go all in, it's it's what happens. I go all in. <laughs> so within two to three weeks of doing this, I was also, during that time, I was also not pitching people on LinkedIn, but I was getting connected because I was looking at startups. Keep in mind, they're small. So who I would be reporting to would be pretty easy to find. And also the operations, you know, kind of get in with the executive assistants, like who might be looking at this resume. So I was kind of trying to do like an account-based approach for each of the startups that I was applying to. So I was reaching out individually and sending them a personal message and how excited I was. I just submitted my resume. And so within, imagine within, this was before people were inundated by LinkedIn messages. Within two weeks, I had phone conversations. Within three weeks, I had in-person interviews. Within those 30 days, I was on my way moving to San Francisco from where I was living at the oh time. Oh my gosh. So it happened within the 30 days? It did happen within the 30 days. So it was crazy. And so curious, given that it happened within that, at what point, I'm just curious if you completed like the everyday 30 or if you didn't need to. Because you already didn't need to. Yeah, I did not need to because it was moving so quickly with the uh, the jobs I had applied to. Like it felt really solid. So I didn't even finish like the full 30 days of applying for jobs because I had already had some serious inquiries and opportunities from that. So yeah, so within less than 30 days. So I was on my way to San Francisco. I'm like, this is great. I got my dream job. You know, I'm making my six figures now. And I started in that job. It was good. I really enjoyed it. But the part that I really liked was actually the LinkedIn part. And the person who hired me in that role, he said, you know, you did not have the credentials. <laughs> Tell me straight up. You did not have the credentials for this job. I hired you because of the way that you pitched me on LinkedIn. He said that message that you sent me, he's like, that good. And he said, we want that type of thinking in our organization. Wow. Uh, I was like, wow, the power of this LinkedIn thing is pretty neat when you just act like a human and reach out and say, I would like to talk with you. I think I'd be a great fit because. Uh, so then people started asking me about doing their LinkedIn profiles and like, oh, well, if you can get your dream job that way, could you actually help me grow my business and get conversations with my ideal prospects? It's the same process, right? Like, yeah, it actually would be the same process. Let's try it. Let's see if it works. So I got more into doing that than my day job. So I switched to doing that full time. Oh I love the LinkedIn side of it. So you've been at this 10 years. Is that yeah. right? Okay. And then when did you actually go full-time with this? I was, yeah, I was in that role for 
think it was six months. And then I moved to, I think like three months or thereabouts of just a consultant in that company before I went full-time. Okay. So I just, I really fell in love with the LinkedIn side. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, how fast do you think that this can happen with people as far? And when I say this, I mean, feeling like building a network where they feel like they're actually getting leads from it. Like what, what is the process or whatever, whatever you're willing to share? Yeah. I usually tell people, give it about 90 days from when you start and decide, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set up a system. Most people, it doesn't take that long, depending on how complex your system is. Most people don't need to make it as complex as they think. Like they think, oh, I need like this extensive funnel. Like really, if you boil it down, you need a connection invitation. You need to know who you're reaching out to and you need to know what to say next when they accept your connection invitation. That's it like the content is great. You do have to have a good profile. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's about the relationship. And if you approach it from that place of service of, you know, being a connector and really being thoughtful, not just pitching people, it's not just to get them on a sales call, it's to get in touch with them and help them learn what you do without being pitchy or salesy. It literally can take 90 days before you're like, Oh, my goodness, I'm getting clients from my LinkedIn network. This is incredible. Is this sustainable? Yes. For most people, it is. For the people I work with, it's like they're looking for five to 10 calls per month. And as long as they're hitting that number, they don't actually have to send a lot of connection invitations, a lot fewer than you would think. Wow. Because they're leveraging the network that's currently there. Correct. So people are talk on LinkedIn, especially like people in your network, they talk with each other. You have one good client and they tell five others, you know? So for me, I have a lot of referral business just because of the network that I built over time and just doing good work over time. And it's funny, they come, like, I have people get recommended to me and I said, I don't even know who's recommending you. They're <laughs> somewhere, but I don't really know them. So that's when you know it's really working. It's yeah. like, okay, people are talking. This is really, really good. I'm getting out there, but in a way that feels authentic and in a way that feels approachable. That's amazing. Well, it, it is such a, a, I mean, the thing that feels like the algorithm and things change all the time. So it's so hard. I mean, do you have any suggestions for how to keep up with that? Yeah, so with the algorithm, I actually don't worry about it very much. Uh, it is not something that I'm trying to hack. I know the basics, like I know enough because I teach it. Uh, yeah. So I know enough to be dangerous, uh, but I don't really feel that it's about the algorithm. And I think a lot of people get so focused on, okay, what's working now? How can I hack it? What type of content should I be posting? I'm like, you're missing the big picture. LinkedIn is, it's great to post content, but it's really about the relationships. I always say, what are, what is actually happening in your DMs? What's happening in your messages? Messages. If you go into your messages and it's like crickets or sales pitches, then there's something that's off in the type of people that you're connecting with and in your approach to LinkedIn. When you go into your messages, the telltale sign of a healthy network is that the people you see there on a daily, weekday, weekly basis are people you actually know, like, and trust, are people that you want to do business with. And when I hop into my messages, and sometimes I'll share it too in my uh, my programs, I'm like, this is what mine really looks like. <laughs> like, these are all <laughs> conversations and open conversations with real people that are not spamming me. And uh, I get asked, how do you make that happen? It's about connecting like a human. So it's really figuring out how to talk to people on LinkedIn. And if you can talk to people in real life, you can have a Zoom call. If you can interact there, you can interact like a human on LinkedIn. It's not that hard, especially once you figure out your own unique approach. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, let's talk about you. I would love to learn more about your journey of confidence. When you think about when, whether it's when you're back as a kid or young, you know, even younger, 
Um, oh, not younger than a kid. <laughs> what do you remember about your years as a baby? But just in general, when your past, how has that, I'm curious to know, were you, because you come across as just so, first, first of all, great balance. I think about what I teach is connection and credibility, that we're always balancing that, especially as women. And that whole concept of do you, ha you have so much strength and competence and you have such warmth and likability too. So I'm wondering if you've always had that, if you were always a leader, always had confidence, anything you want to share related to that? Yes. I guess if we're going back to my childhood, I was that kid that would boss all the neighbor kids around. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, we're playing house. You are the mommy. You are the daddy. You are the daughter. And I would just tell everybody what to do. So that kind of started when I was five <laughs> and my mom used to laugh. She's like, she tell these like 12 year old boys, you really don't have to do what she says. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I felt like it kind of started there. Just like, it's just kind of a little bit natural for me, I think to just feel a little bit more confident. I did feel that I struggled a bit, especially during teenage years and really trying to figure out my sense of self. And I think a lot of teenage women do feel that way. Just really trying to find their place in the world. I also kind of grew up in a weird environment. Um, I would say borderline cult, religious cult was kind of oh. I grew up in. So kind of leaving that, I left when I was 20. Uh, so I felt like when I came out of that, it was like, I had no idea who I was. I didn't know what I believed. I didn't know who I could trust. I had no friends because of the environment that I was in. So I felt like at 20, I was starting completely from scratch. And my parents and everybody were still part of that group for a few years until they came out too. Uh, so for me, it was at 20 where I really had to do a lot of soul searching and critical thinking and kind of learn what critical thinking was um, and really kind of explore different religions, different ways of believing. And I felt like that path, it took me about five years before I really felt grounded in my sense of self and felt confident that I actually knew who I was. So it felt like a very tumultuous journey, especially that self-discovery process. And I think a lot of people go through it in their own ways too. Um, but I think what was really important for me were a number of books that I read at that time, just like really great thinkers that really helped me understand how to think and how to create a great lifestyle moving forward and what I could believe. And it didn't have to be attached to that, you know, religious group. Uh, so for me, that was really, really powerful. And then at 25, that's, I met my current husband uh, and he's amazing. Yeah. We met in California. That's Kind of when I was, you know, exploring social media, kind of got into that oh agency world. Gosh. And it was like, it felt like everything at that point in time kind of came together for me. It was just like, I don't know if the universe, or some people are a little more woo-woo than others, but like everything kind of conspired to bring it all together. And I felt like, you know, meeting him, I think it was just also, we started a family shortly thereafter and just really getting into my niche and finding out what I was good at. Um, I felt like that really helped me kind of figure out like and develop confidence, like the beginnings of confidence, which has, you know, kind of built over time, which oh, I like getting older because you just, you, you get a little bit more confident each year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is so true. Oh my gosh. So that was just a, a huge bomb around the, the, you dropped around the semi called. I don't remember exactly what you said. So can you say more about that? And specifically thinking about women that might be listening to this, that might feel trapped in some type of environment whether it's something similar or just in general feeling powerless to, to get out or maybe don't even realize that they're trapped. Yeah, that is so true. And I think what you mentioned there, not even realizing you're trapped. And I think that's where I felt 
that it, it, I was really in that place for a number of years before I even realized I was trapped. Like I really believed what I was taught. Like I believed it from my heart, <laughs> you know, and I thought this is the one only true way to live life. And I had questions. So I think for me, the big key was when you have doubts or questions, that's a sign. That's a sign that your intuition is telling you something is not right. So if you don't even know you're trapped, but you have like these questions, you have these nagging doubts, you're like, something isn't right. I may not be able to put my finger on it quite yet, but really exploring those and allowing yourself, for me, it was journaling. I did a lot of writing. Uh, I also did a lot of reading. So if I had a question about something, I'd look up a resource and now it's so easy. There's podcasts and books and it's easier to find information than it was back in the day when I was hiding library books under my bed you know, for my parents like don't see when I'm reading uh it doesn't agree with the group uh so I think it's so much easier to find information now but I think the key is really to listen to yourself and to trust yourself and that part has been really hard for me over the years I feel like I was taught not to trust myself that there's this you know other higher power that you know well, my voice did not matter and just listen to whatever the group said or however the leaders were it was a lot of patriarchy going on and so really trying to work through that and trust myself. I think that was a really big key thing for me. Once I started trusting myself, I'm like, and I took little baby steps. It was like, you trust yourself in something super small. Like, am I allowed to think this thought? Am I allowed to explore this question? I mean, they can be very tiny things, but developing that confidence over time by asking, trusting yourself, taking a little bit of action, seeing that the world doesn't fall apart. And I say, oh, okay, I can, I can do that. I can build on that. Like one more step at a time, answer another question, explore something else that's bothering you, something that you can really go deeper on. Wow. Well, congratulations for getting out. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Is that appropriate? <laughs> it is appropriate. Yeah. Oh it's God. definitely, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely a journey. Uh, it was very dramatic at the time, but wow. on this side of it, looking back, very powerful. Yeah. Can you tell us about the moment when you made the decision to leave and what that was yeah, like? I can. I was actually reading a book. I mentioned books all the time. I was reading a book that really changed the way I saw things. It's most people probably don't know the author, but his name is Ted Decker. He had like a series of books just kind of showing a different perspective of God at that point. And for me, that was a really big deal. I read his series of books and I thought, oh my goodness, the God that I'm taught over here and this God that he's showing me are not at all one and the same. And so I went to the the leader of the cult. I just went straight to him. I said, I got in line and it was a mega group, a mega church type of scenario. So a lot, a lot of members. And I said, you know what? I, I have these questions and can you answer them for me? Because something isn't right here. You know, there's a big discrepancy between what you're teaching and what I'm seeing and what I'm also experiencing. And I got put down. I got, you know, belittled and it was a very, I came out of there just like shaking and just like in tears. And I said, okay, that's it. I need to leave and I have to go find my own way. So where am I going to go? So that, <laughs> one, that one experience. Yep. That one experience. Yep. And so at the time I was, I was dating a guy that we had been high school sweethearts. We were supposed to get married. We were supposed to like move up in the group. Like people saw us as like the next big thing in that cult group, you know, the next big couple. And I had to break it off with him. Like, you know what? I don't believe this way anymore. Um, I'm not exactly sure what I believe yet, but I have to figure this out. Um, and it's worth it to me to like leave my family. <laughs> my family was like, what are you doing? And they were trying to be supportive, but they thought I was a little bit crazy. Um, and I actually moved to New York City for like an entire summer. 
I like I, I did like an internship at a, you know, an organization, a nonprofit, and just like spent some time figuring things out and like really wow. going deep and experiencing life from a different perspective. What a courageous move. Wow. I'm that that is incredibly inspiring and and just amazing that you did that. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Can you share a time that, because now I'm thinking about, because you just come across as so confident and just so lovely. I mean, just fun. As soon as I met you, you know, virtually, I said, I got to meet, and I want to, I want to talk more with this person. And I'm curious to know if there has been a time when you didn't speak up, but wish that you had. When I didn't speak up that I wish that I had. I think if we're going back far, it definitely was when I was a teenager and I started seeing things that were discrepancies and just like the way that some of my friends were treated at the time um, and what they were being called out on when they were being true to themselves. I feel like that's probably one of the earlier memories that I have is just not standing up for them in that moment in time and just kind of going with the crowd because I didn't want to make God angry <laughs> or whatever this perception oh, of God yeah. was. Yeah. So I think that was a time that I really felt that I should have stood up. There was a time, though, I guess, kind of flipping that when I was happy that I stood up, <laughs> that uh, once I got out of the group, yeah, once I got out of the group, I actually made a, a series of YouTube videos. They are no longer up um, be because they serve their purpose. Uh, but I actually talked publicly about my experience um, in leaving the group. And they had like tens and thousands of views. And I had a number of people reach out to me that were right around the same age because they knew me. A lot of them you know, found my video, I shared it. And they actually said, Mindy, that was so powerful. It's really helping me rethink. And a lot of them did leave. Also, I'm, I'm not going to take full credit for why they left. But a lot of them who did watch the video ended up leaving and finding and charting their own path, which was really powerful. But it was really difficult, I think, to speak up at that time, because I don't ever want to, you know, you never want to badmouth anyone, you never want to like, talk down, but you do need to share. I think there's something really powerful when we do share our experiences when we do speak up and not stay silent because it's easier to stay silent it's easier not to say anything and just like quietly fade away than it is to say no this was not okay right. and this is this was my experience and I'm going to be true to my experience if you're having this experience then listen to yourself and trust yourself so I think it's really it's really really important that we do speak up and I'm sure you, you've talked about that multiple times but um just that standing up for ourselves is is huge both for ourselves and for others gosh well, I, I can identify from the perspective of when I think about the other side of not speaking up about so many years that I didn't trust my own voice. And that's why I wrote the book, Trust Your Own Voice, because it's very specific to that. And it it's fascinating, isn't it, how we have these often gut reactions and we don't listen to them or we feel like, oh, I better do that because, and in your experience, just how interesting, just, you know, oh, about is this going to make God angry or what or whatever uh, you know, whether it's a person or a being, this idea that we're looking outside of ourselves. And I'm even thinking about, I remember when like, my husband and I many years ago, so before we were married, long before we were married, he he's, he's still 11 years younger than me. But at the time when we met, he was 20 and I was 31 and we were just in such different places in life. And then when we finally got to this point where we realized, you know, we've, we've loved each other all of these years and but I remember in the time frame where he was asking all this advice from other people and I was too. And I remember somebody, somebody really wise said to him, you know, all of these other people that are giving you advice not to be with her, they're not the ones that are going to be in your bedroom with you. <laughs> so I 
<laughs> that is so perfect. But this example of you've got to do what you believe is best for you and, and trust that. Otherwise, you're going to be living either somebody else's life or you're just going to be not living your authentic life. So I, I love the fact that you stepped out. And I mean, to me, that just feels so incredibly bold to do that. Wow. Yeah, it was challenging, but I think it translates. It's like, and that can be a turning point. And I, I see that as like a turning point in my own, just like being at peace with it too. I think there's something when we do step out or when we do say something and it doesn't always have to be public. You don't have to go on YouTube and share a video. It, it can be very private. It could be just something that you write down in your own journal and maybe share with like a close friend and just, I'm not going to do this or I am going to do this moving forward. I am going to trust myself. It's just such a good example to others. Even if it's just one other person, just sharing that story with them. And sometimes we think like, oh, well, this is kind of silly. I shouldn't share it. You know, how was I duped into this situation? We really beat ourselves up. Uh, I think before we even make that stuff, like thinking, oh, this is like kind of silly and I shouldn't share this. But when we do, it's such a good example for others and it empowers them too. It's not just selfishly motivated. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So true. Contagious in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. Well, what advice would you have to someone who perhaps is trying to figure out what they want to do? or move into a different career path or just, yeah, just feeling unsure. What, what, what would you say? Yeah. I feel like I hit this all the time. Like I'm always unsure. Like people are like, you're so confident. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, you don't see my journal. Question <laughs> <laughs> well, everything all the time. <laughs> Reality is we're all questioning all the time. Even those people who seem the most confident behind the scenes, like there are questions that they have, there are things that they're trying to solve. But I think the difference is that they understand that they have the capabilities to solve them. Like they can actually have a process or a way to process those insecurities and really figure out, okay, what should I do next based on what I've done in the past? So I think for me, when it comes to like, sharing some thoughts and tips for people who are really trying to figure out and navigate like the uncertainty space, I mean, going back to the journaling, I think journaling a lot of times is really, really important. And for me, I mean, as, as women, like we have a cycle, you know, where we go through every single month. Well, many of us do, some of us do, some of us don't. Um, But for me, like that, especially the end part of my cycle is such a great time for me to get insight and inspiration. And like what really is bothering me or anything that's like deep rooted usually comes out for me during that time of the month, which is really interesting. Yes, it is really interesting. And there's, there's hormonal reasons why that happens for a lot of people. Um, But if that happens, happens to you, I think, take advantage of that. Cause that's when I get like the insights like, Oh, Oh, Mindy, like in the beginning of the month, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is great. Everything is wonderful. Like the end, everything is going, you know, everything is going down the drain. What is going wrong? But I think it's taking a step back and realizing like, Oh, that's the time where I can really get introspective and really understand what's going on and really dig deeper here because your gut, your intuition is telling you something. And when those moments happen, it's up to us to actually listen and, you know, write it down. If you're like pen and paper person, jot it down in your journal, write it down somewhere and note it because that is telling you, huh, okay, something is off here. And you may not know exactly which direction to go, but there's usually a question. There's usually a question that pops up in my mind, like, okay, is this actually the right way I want to go? Is this the program I need to build for my business moving forward? And then I can get logical and just kind of like put down some bullet points, things to explore or things that I'm thinking about or just points and things that I can actually take action on. Because I think a lot of us do get stuck in our heads 
when it comes to, you know, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And we just stay in that space. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do versus actually taking action. Like, okay, well, what's one little positive action I can take today? Even if it's just Googling something, like take a tiny action, Google something. If you want to start a business, if you want to get a different job, just Google what would that job be like? Or what is a day in the life like for fill in the blank here? Does that sound like a day that you want to have? Yes? No? Maybe so? Okay, do a little bit more exploring. You know, so I think sometimes we just, we we make it into this big monstrous thing and we don't take any action when it can be as simple as, okay, follow your curiosity. So that's something I always talk about is like, when I'm curious about something, that means there's something inside that is driving that curiosity that I always intentionally follow it. Um, like even in a certain time in my day, like after my work day is done, I have like curio- what I call curiosity time. <laughs> and so I actually, I do. It's like, Ooh, okay, this is not work related. This is not my business related. This is time that I can look up things that I find fascinating. And it doesn't have to be work related, it could be fun, it could be anything. And so that actually, you know, brings up ideas, it brings other things that we could add to our business to our life to make our lives better. So curiosity time is really, really important for me. That is amazing. Do, do you do that every day? I do. Yeah. So I have like a certain time. It's like dinner time. I usually read. And then sometimes I get to Google during that time too. So it's like not business emails, um, but we all kind of sit at the table and everyone's like reading, kind of talking. And I, I count that as the start of my curiosity time until like we have in our house, we have like homework club in the evening. So later oh, evening, so, so homework club, uh, I do my curiosity time and the kids know like, this is mommy's time. Don't bother mommy. She's, she's having fun. She's watching stuff. Sometimes it's <laughs> surfing. It could be like health related, anything that I'm kind of nerding out on the, at the time. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Wow. I love it. This is so fun. I feel like I could talk to you all day. So let me ask you this. Is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you want me to ask or that you'd like to share? I think just, I think getting back to creating days that we love, I think something that I'm really passionate about is so, so many of us, I think, think that we can't have a perfect day until like everything in our life is perfect at some point in the future. And I think the key to having like a happy life and feeling confident is building your perfect day in the now. Like, what can you do now? And maybe you don't have all the elements, but really figuring out what your ideal day looks like because all your ideal days add up. And so pretty soon, like if you have all these, you know, awesome days all in a row, amazingly, you have like an awesome life that you have created by your own design. So I think it's kind of playing with that idea of figuring out what can I include in my day? Like just one thing, like it always starts with one thing, like, okay, you know, I really wish I could meditate or I really wish I could do a little bit of yoga. Or maybe I want to try, you know, going someplace different to to do a little bit of work today. Maybe I want to work in a coffee shop or, you know, just change my scenery a little bit. And it could be that simple. But I think really playing with that idea of like, okay, awesome days lead to an awesome lifestyle. And it all starts with the day. Oh my gosh, that is so good. Awesome days lead to an awesome lifestyle. Is that what you said? Yes. Awesome days lead to an awesome lifestyle. Boy, we got to gotta keep repeating that one. That's fantastic. Well, Mindy, it's been such a delight to have you here. Thank you for your vibrant personality as well as your expertise. One thing that I want to ask, is there a tip that you wanted to offer in addition to what you've already offered related to LinkedIn that would be helpful or or tips? You feel free to share more than one. <laughs> I just don't want to take advantage. <laughs> 
comes to LinkedIn, I think the biggest tip I would have is if you are new or just kind of like coming to LinkedIn with like a, a beginner's mind, even if you've been there a while, just look at your profile. I think the biggest thing is to optimize your profile because that makes everything else on LinkedIn much easier. So really paying attention, especially to like the opening. So your headline, the image that you're using, your header image, your profile headshot, that section is really what opens the doors for people. And so just paying attention to that one section on your profile will also help you feel a little bit more confident in reaching out and sending connections and, and making sure that it feels in alignment with who you are now and where you want to go. So that would be my biggest tip on LinkedIn. It's not sharing content. It's not adding a bazillion connection invitations. It's really focusing on that top section of your profile first. Okay. That's great. Can I ask you a question about it? Sure. So one of the questions that I have, because I heard from somebody, you're not supposed to, this is probably more the algorithm thing that I, okay. I if you, I just want to post when I feel like posting of something that would be inspiring and interesting. And yet I have heard, oh, you're not supposed to post that often. Like you're supposed to post and then wait for the reactions to that and then post again. So with somebody, I think it was a reaction to someone who said, oh, I need to post four to five times a week. And the other person said, no, post less than that. You've got to have time. And so can you clear that up for us? Oh, sure. I say I'm on the post less camp. Like I sometimes okay. post like up to me. Four times a week, maybe that's if we're lucky. Usually I post twice a week. So I usually do a, a LinkedIn live on Mondays because I have a show called Mondays with Mindy. And then I do the newsletter, which is literally just like reposting the written version of the LinkedIn live from Monday on Tuesday. Uh, and then sometimes I will weave in a couple of other interesting things. If LinkedIn makes a change or something, I feel like my audience would find interesting or an affiliate or something along those lines later in the week. But I feel like if you are writing great content, focus on the quality of that content. But if you have great ideas and you literally like there are some people I know, some people I work with who can write content every day and it's it's really easy for them and if you are one of those people then do it every day like you don't have to do it less just because of the algorithm but I think don't feel guilty if you are like ah oh, you know once a week is really tough for me good then just like go with once or once a week or once every two weeks and you won't be penalized for it yeah yeah that's fantastic well again thank you Mindy fabulous to have you how can we reach you LinkedIn is awesome. So it's Mindy Ross or Mindy with an I. <laughs> I guess that listening. would be really funny if you said something else, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am on Instagram though. So it's Mindy R. Rosser. So there's like two R's in the middle there. If you like Hawaii stuff and surfing and pod my podcast and stuff, it's a little bit more Hawaii vibes over there. LinkedIn is much more LinkedIn focused. So one of those two places is great. Perfect. Thank you. Wonderful to have you, Mindy. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. And that's a wrap of another episode of Ignite Your Confidence. I'm your host, Karen Laus. Thank you so much for listening. If you love today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps other people find the podcast faster, and it certainly helps me. If you're interested in more tips and tools around confidence, please join me over in my Facebook group called Ignite Your Confidence with Karen Laus. Remember, you too can stand out with unshakable confidence. <laughs>